Well, welcome everybody to the Wilshire Church of Christ. We are glad that you're able to be with us. Glad that people that are online are able to be with us too. And uh, if you're visiting, we're glad that you are here in particular. We're really glad you're here today because we've got a lot of people missing. Uh, we uh, have some people already down at Quartz Mountain getting ready to prepare. Other people are uh, heading that way. And so it is good to have you with us punching up our numbers a little bit. Thank you. And I hope if you are visiting, you'll stay after worship. We have a time of fellowship and then Bible classes. So uh, please, uh, you know, maybe put lunch back a little bit and you can stay with us. It'd be great. Last week, we had uh, visitors from Russia. Uh, Jan and Nadia Boldarev were here and their children. They've been here all week. Um, with the uh, Global Reunion on the OC campus. And uh, Jerry Noblin, just before church, he and I were uh, remembering the conversion story for Jan and Nadia. They tell that story from time to time. Some of you have heard maybe that story. And I won't do it justice, but uh, Jan Boldereff, I think I've mentioned this to some of you before, Jan Boldreff may be the only person I personally know whose conversion story starts with an act of robbery by threat. He saw, he, he, was, he, said, he admitted when he was young, he was kind of a thug. And uh, he saw another guy with a Bible, and he had never seen a Bible before, or never held one. And so he just, he knew he was tougher than that guy, and the other guy knew it too, and he said, give it. And the other guy did. And that was his first possession of the word of God. At that time, he was living without marriage with Nadia. And she had her own experience of the word of God already and was troubled by it and what it said. And he began reading that and reading that and reading that. And eventually, he came back to their house and said, we can't keep staying together. We've got to change. And she burst into tears because that's the conviction that had been growing in her heart as well. And step by step, without benefit of clergy, <laughs> the Word of God did that. The Word of God did that. Uh, in this series that we're doing, we're talking about places where the Bible says pretty explicitly, this is where God is in your life. This is where God promises to be in your life. And we've looked at several things. We're going to look at a few more. I don't know that any of them are as accessible to you and as predictably powerful as the one we're going to talk about right now. God promises to be with you. Jesus promises to be with you. Every time you truly listen to God's word. And that's what I want to talk about today. God's word puts God into our lives every time we pay attention to it. Now, we can be in an environment where God's word is being talked about and our minds are elsewhere. Maybe nothing happens in those circumstances. But every time I give attention to God's word, 
God comes to me and, and changes me and activates power on me. And he does the same thing in you by the word of God. The promises about that are, are way too many to list, certainly way too many to fit on a sheet of paper. But I gave you some samples uh, for you to look at if you got one of the study sheets. 1 Thessalonians 3.13, which is one of the ones that we had read. Paul, this is one of the earliest pieces of writing we have in the whole New Testament. Some scholars think it's the first thing in the entire New Testament written on paper. Others say it's Galatians. Some people say it's this letter. And Paul says this, We thank God continually because when you received the word of God, this is just hearing the word of God, you heard it from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you to believe. We are surrounded by words, people. We are going to be hearing words when we drive home. We are going to be hearing words if we turn on the TV. We are going to be reading words if we scan the news feeds. We are surrounded by words. Those are human words. They change us, sometimes for the good, oftentimes for the bad, many times just neutrally, just shift us around. God is in these words. God has put his power to affect you and change you in these words. Paul says, and he's not even talking about the written scriptures, he just says, when we preached God's word to you and you paid attention to it, that put a power in your life that is working on you. It is at work in you Thessalonians. Paul says, I had to leave Thessalonica, but I know God is working on you because of the word of God that's in you. Paul says uh, something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit in them? The same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. So we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. He's talking about the apostles and the prophets. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Paul says, you know, and Paul talked a lot, and he knew not all of his words were like this, but he says, the Spirit guides the words I say when I'm saying the Word of God. This is not a mere human production. Something God wants to say, gets said through human lips. That's what 
the Bible is. That's what the Word of God is. The Old Testament and the New Testament is, is a way into the mind of God. I vaguely know what you're thinking. I look at the expression on your face. I see your actions. But I know very little until you talk to me. God talks to us in his word. Peter says something very similar. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He says that's, that's what Scripture is. It is the Holy Spirit, God's breath, God's wind, filling these words with what God wants to happen in your life and my life. So we're not dealing, when we, when we pick up this Bible, or when nowadays, when I click on my iPhone and look at the Bible, we're not dealing with the same kind of text that we're dealing with the rest of the times of our life. You don't, you, it, it seems very normal, because I have a lot of apps on my phone, and it's another app, the Bible app. But what actually happens when you click on the Bible app, if you're paying attention, you're actually crossing a boundary. You're crossing into the temple of God. You're crossing into the presence of God. And more, you're inviting God to come into you. That's what this thing is that we call the Bible. That's what this thing is that we call the Word of God. And if you want more God in your life, if you sometimes wonder why why does God leave me alone? Why doesn't he give me more signs of what he wants me to do? One of the things that has to happen is for you to put more of the word of God in your life. Because that's God wanting to have a relationship with you and bringing power to you. I know this is true in my own life. I, I, I have experienced this so many times. You know, I grew up and I heard about my friends, you know, that had various kinds of spiritual experiences. I didn't have some of the really eye-opening spiritual experiences. Some of my high school friends had said that they had experienced. And, and I wondered, well, is something wrong with me? Maybe I'm, I don't. But I realized that the things God had done most powerfully to change fundamentally who I am, and he has continued to do through my entire life, he has done because he's put me in touch with this word, and he's put me in touch with people like you who insist that I pay attention to this, and, and in this church won't let me get away with slacking off on that, so that 
week after week and month after month and year after year, my nose is in this book. And even when I don't like it, this word has had power to make me into a different person. That's happened to me so many times. That's happened in human history so many times. The word of God stands there. Now, sometimes people complain. There are parts of the Bible that make me mad. There are parts of the Bible I don't like. There are parts of the, I read some stuff and I just want to rip that page out. I've heard people say that. I've kind of felt that about some things. Did you know Jeremiah felt that way? Jeremiah the prophet, Holy Spirit flowing through him. He complains to God about that. This is sitting in your study sheet. I didn't want to frighten the children. But Jeremiah, Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah says, God, you tricked me. You deceived me. Every time I open my mouth to speak for you, all I get to say is bad news. I talk about death and destruction. And then in verse 9 he says, but if I say, I'll not mention his word or speak anymore in his name. His word in my heart is like a fire. It's a fire shut up in my bones. I'm tired of holding it in indeed. I cannot. Jeremiah says, you won't let me rest easy with your word. There are parts of it I don't even like. Parts of it I can't make heads or tails of. I can't understand. And you won't let me make it all smooth and easy. That's the way the Bible has worked all through history. It doesn't make things smooth and easy with our world, because our world is messed up. And the Bible continually brings people to evaluate and judge the world and to change things. It's happened over and over and over again. Nobody who's honest, and there are people who are not honest about this, but Nobody who's honest can look at the abolition of slavery story, for instance, in the West without understanding that it was hundreds and thousands of ordinary Christians being convicted by the word of God to look at something that human beings had practiced for thousands of years and to realize this does not square with the Sermon on the Mount. This is no longer compatible with the love of neighbor that Jesus taught us to have. And Christians rose up and became activists to help in that movement. That's happened over and over and over again. Not as often as it should, not as completely and perfectly as it should. There are flaws in that story, tragic and horrible flaws, but 
This word has power. And please, I'm begging you, don't try to get through your life without accessing this power. Please don't cripple yourself and and turn aside from the power God wants you to have. Put God's word in your life. God's word, when I pay attention to it, shows me what my life looks like in God's eyes. That's kind of what James is getting at, James chapter 1. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. What does my life look like to God? What does my behavior look like to the perfect, just God in heaven? That's going to be a really important question for every human being on the day of judgment. It's going to be the only question anybody cares about on the day of judgment. What does my life look like? Would you like to have a cheat sheet for that? The Bible tells you how to know what your life looks like. Look at the power God has given you. God's word has the power to cut through the fog of the fallen world and bring us next to God's truth. This is my summary of Hebrews chapter 4. It's one of my favorite passages about the the word of God. And, and here, it, it doesn't matter much whether it's the written word of God or the heard word of God, the proclaimed word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, for the word of God is alive and active. Whether you're reading it or you're hearing somebody talk about it or you're just thinking about it in your mind because you have it there. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes, before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word of God brings us into the realm of God's truth. We live in this fallen world, and one of the characteristics of this fallen world is half-truths and self-deception, and in fact, cultural deception. We live in worlds where we've inherited compromises with sin and compromises with evil, and, and, and we're so used to them that we, they don't even register anymore, and, 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 and we just, we didn't even notice and, and if we don't have help, we can go our whole lives totally accommodated to evil. Which is why we have the word of God. 
And if you've made the word of God part of your life, even a little bit, you've had a double-edged sword moment, I almost guarantee. I've had many. I don't like them. Double-edged sword is a, an apt description of what the word of God feels like in those moments where I've been dulled to what's wrong. I've been telling myself comforting falsehoods. I've got a whole beautiful structure of rationalizations. And then the word of God comes and <clears throat> opens everything up to show me what's real. Now, that may not sound like fun to you. I get it. We might rather have some other word that won't make us feel that way. I get that too. But this is God's truth. And, and, and it is painful sometimes to get back in line with what God wants from us and what God knows will make us the happiest and what God knows will help heal his world. And that sharp, double-edged sword of the word telling us this is what needs to happen in your life right now. Time's up. No more fooling around. It is time to confront this and change. We all have to live by that. It is the power of God in his word. There's another feature of the word of God that I have found to be true in my life, and I think anybody who's a mature Christian has probably experienced this as well. God's word supplies what we need as we grow to need it. We teach the word of God to our cradle roll. Not a lot, but they pat the Bible, you know. And we teach the B-I-B-L-E song. And we teach God made cats or kittens. I don't know. Probably both. I'm sure God made dogs. It's possible devil made cats. If you're a cat person, I apologize. I don't know. And we teach our four-year-olds about the Bible. And they get great lessons from that. And we teach our third graders about the Bible. And they learned, I remember being fascinated by the stories in the Bible at that age. And it turns out at every age I've been, the Bible has had things to tell me that I needed to know right then. There's an old Buddhist saying that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. I don't know if that's true in Buddhism, but it's really true of the word of God. There are things in scripture that are there the whole time that your mind will see when you've grown enough to need to see it. 
And there are hidden depths in Scripture that you will never get to in your entire life. I suspect when we get to heaven, whatever heaven's like, that's another sermon. When we get to heaven, we will still be going, oh, that's what that was about. There will still be depths to the word of God for us to understand and grasp. Paul says it like this to his protege, Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Timothy, you needed it when you were a baby. You needed it when you were a teenager. You needed it when you were a young man, freshly baptized, just heading out with me as a missionary in training. And Timothy, you need it right now there in Ephesus, trying to help those churches thrive. And the word of God is there to supply your needs at every stage. Don't let it lie fallow in your life. Access the power that God wants you to have. Finally, I want to leave you with Colossians 3, which mentions the word of God along with a lot of other things. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, abundantly, teaching, admonishing one another with all wisdom singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's a, that's a wonderful picture in Colossians, a similar one in Ephesians, about what our fellowship, our Christian life together should be like, our Christian community life, not just worship service. It's often applied just to the worship service. It's about our general life together. What, what, what our life together should be like. And one of the things that Paul says characterizes a healthy Christian community is Christians just talk about the Word of God. They just talk about the Word of Christ with each other. You know, Every group of people gossips. We gossip. We shouldn't as much as we do. But every group of people has stuff they talk about. <clears throat> Christian communities, they're talking about this too. This is a big part of what makes a healthy Christian community. Wanting to hear and wanting to talk about God's word is one of the signs of a healthy Christian community, according to Paul. If, if you find yourself in five years at Wilshire, where Wilshire has stopped caring about talking about the Word of God, I hate to say this, 
you need a new church. Because you need a church that feeds itself week after week on the word of God. You need that. You don't need a church that's inerrant, that can't make mistakes. Good luck finding that anyway. You don't need a church that's full of perfect people. And if there is one, they won't let you in. But you need a church that talks about and lets you talk about the Word of God. You need that. That's part of how God's power is manifest in your life. That's part of what makes it real in you. That's part of what's going to change you in the direction that God wants you to grow. Yield yourself to that. Put yourself in God's temple, in God's presence, in God's powerful place, and God will lift you high because God's word is power. Let's pray. Dear God and Father, we thank you so much for all the things you do for us. So many blessings. We can't name them all. But God, we really thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation. God, we want to use it faithfully. We want to use it humbly. We want to use it prayerfully. And we want to use it consistently. God, help us please to be people of your word. Help us please to stay true to it. Help us please to discuss it. And, and, and even when we disagree about it, help us to continue to depend on you. God, bless us please to be people of your word. These things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. If you need to respond to God's invitation, if you need prayers or help, or today is the day that you want to follow God's word to be baptized, we invite you to come as we stand and are led in song.